Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Dafa Shavua as we study Mesechas Yivamos. I appreciate the many questions. A couple of people asked me when we were discussing uh, some aspects of Piri of Arivia how exactly uh, the woman fits into Piri of Arivia. Is there anything beyond what I called Shevas Yitzera? So this will come up, I believe, on Daf Samachay. So we're going to wait for then. Remind me if for some reason I miss it. And it's a very fascinating uh, sugya. They definitely are Rishonim who say a woman has the same mitzvah peruvu, the Ran, and we'll see some others as well. And halach lamasa, how that plays out. What we're going to do is we've been doing in the summer shiurim, and it's especially uh, relevant to this daf again with the agadita. Um, I think we're developing ideas, but also a little bit more sound bite, a little bit of different style. Sometimes the shiurim are shorter. The very top of the Yamud brings up an issue continued from uh, last daf as far as uh, good neighbors, being a good person. One who lends a poor man money in his hour of need. So we should be familiar with the value of lending, of uh, having a gemach, of being a malva lender to a lova a borrower. And this is, of course, something that is of great value. It's something that happens in the Jewish community today. The Rambam in Hilchus Matnas Aniyam, just to give you, I think, the, the, I would say proper, the broader perspective of what this means, the Rambam gives his list of Malos Tzedakah. It's often called the Ladder of Tzedakah. And he says, Shmona Malos Yesh Pesachah Zula Malamizu, Mala Gedola She'in Lamalamimena, Zahamachsik Biyad Yisrael. That's when you strengthen the hand of Yisrael. No saying lo matana, you give him a gift with no strings attached. O halva, or alone, o osa imo shutfus, or you become a partner with him, which increases the dignity, of course. O mamsi lo malacha, you try to find a job for him. This is all within what I'd say, what's being highlighted in this Gemara, at least as understood by the Rambam. And the reasoning that is given, and this is what's important, it's based on a pasuk, Parshas Bahar, You want to be able to really help him a step before. You want to preempt it. So that he has the dignity that he could live with you. It's interesting, uh, I mentioned in the past, like Rabbi Soloveitchik discusses how when you have an orach at your house, the orach, even if he's poor, doesn't feel that he's a lower-class citizen, you know, unless you're giving him different food, but that's not what you're going to have happen. We're very concerned about the dignity of a person who's in need. In fact, I explained this in the past, that's why the Medrash has so many different terms. The Medrash points out the Torah has so many different terms for an ani, it could be an ani, it could be an evion. I think there are actually 13 different terms. It's not always reflecting the economic situation of the person. It's reflecting the dignity that's associated with it. Now, there is a catch-22 to this. In the Krina de Igrisa, which are letters that we have from the stipler, the stipler talks about the danger of loans. If a person ends up borrowing too much, then you end up uh, in worse situation than maybe just taking a tzedakah handout. 
he's discussing over their weddings. People borrow, 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 and they end up living in debt. And this is a Gemara, actually, in Maseches Gidon, before we get to the modern days. The Pasuk says, in Mishle Perich of Beis, Pasuk Zayin, Oshib Rishayim Yimshol Ve'evet Love Le'ishmalve. This brings us back to Mitzrayim, using this term, that a borrower could be an Evet to Ve'evet Love, to the lender. So we don't want to have that sense. So part of it is, of course, the attitude that a borrower has to, <coughs> that a lender has to behave in a dignified way with the borrower. But the bottom line is if a loan is made, lahalacha, then there's a responsibility to pay it back. So this is the Gemara says in Maseches Gidin, Daf Yudalad Amad Aleph. I think it's also a Gemara in Maseches Rosh Hashanah. So we have to play these things out and find the right balance. Sometimes actual tzedakah is better than a loan if you don't think the loan could be paid back. At least the tzedakah is given. And there are no strings attached to it. So, again, we know the famous statement of this Gemara. We have the Rambam, and I'm giving you the qualifiers just to give you the proper balance. I was curious to see what uh, Rav Zilberstein would say on this topic. And it's pretty wild. So I want to share with you something from the Chashuk Echemet, Samach Gimel Aleph. And it's fascinating because... We treat in halacha as the Rambam does in this in the Perig Yud halacha Zion. We put the halachas of borrowing and the halachas of tzedakah all together. So Rav Zilberstein brings in a situation from Hamava Selalani, and he extends it to a hopeful tzedakah case. Now it's a little controversial, I guess, what he's discussing. It seems that the government of Israel, in this particular case, let's not make this as a broad law. We apply Dina Machus Adina even in Eretz Yisrael. Contrary to, as some understand, according to the Sheet of Ran, everybody owns Eretz Yisrael, and therefore no one has to pay taxes. That's not the mainstream position. So Rav Zilberstein is clearly operating that when the government comes to collect tax, you have to pay. But there's some question about whether, at least with this particular person, the Mas Hachnasa, which I think is the income tax, is Shiloh Kedin. So what do you do? You're not going to be able to prove that it's not proper. Or maybe he's just saying that the taxes are too high. So is there any way to try to manipulate, through Kavana, the giving of the taxes into Tzedakah? Now this question, again, if this was a question in America, if you're paying taxes, we're not going to call that Tzedakah. Hopefully, you'll get a benefit, uh, according to American law, of nonprofit contributions. I don't know if they have the same halacha narratives or all the same laws. I assume so. And either way, we have to give tzedakah. So he brings down from uh, the Gain Sadik Zechut Sadik Levracha, Rav Ben Sion Abishol, in Sefer Chachma Musar, that Hakesef Shelochin Meitana HaMemshala, when the government takes money from us, assuming again that it has to be paid, which is what we do, and what our Israeli brethren do, he says, you should have in mind that some of it is going to go to tzedakah. Because whether you could take it as maisa or not, because some of that money will be distributed. He's really focusing here, if you want to look it into the positive, 
of the value of paying your taxes. If you're paying your taxes, it's not going to necessarily all go for what you want. You may not be interested in the museum in Tel Aviv, but it's going to go, some of it will go for the good thing. But what I really wanted to share with you was what Rav Zilberstein says. He says, that when you pay your taxes, you spalo. I mean, just listen to this. But ace hatashlam, you should daven when you're paying the taxes, ribonashlam, to saye anashi is galgal mamoni viagia lide ani otamas chacham haosik batara. I hope that the taxes that I give are not only going to help pave the roads, which in itself is a value, as he says, but they're going to be used also to strengthen aniyim, to help people that are involved in learning Torah, and not, God forbid, for any negative activity. I mean, this is just a certain level of the way of thinking. And then he brings in, we see by the Nadavas Mishkan, that the people who are on a higher level, their money went for greater sanctity. And he brings something as well from Shkalem. So this is a long way from the beginning of the Gemara but this is the trip that we've uh, taken through it to the Rambam, to Rav Zilberstein. I wanted to uh, have a couple more comments for today, hopefully meaningful. Something relating to the Azer Kenegdo. So the way Rebbe Lazar makes a bunch of statements here about marriage, and one of the statements, very famous, because it's brought down by Rashi, the Rishonim, Azer Kenegdo, right? The, the wife is an Azer Kenegdo. It could be, if he's Zoha, it's Azar. If he's not Zoha, then it's Kenegdo. This does not assume that the man plays no role. It's not just like random. A marriage takes uh, a lot of hard work. I wanted to share with you how the Nitziv understands this. Not that he disagrees with the Gemara. It's not mutually exclusive. But he says that, and, and I mentioned this one time in the context of uh, when I gave my Ruth Madoff share, that ultimately... The way sometimes that a spouse is an Azer is by being Kenegdo. You're not looking for someone who's just uh, patronizing you. You're looking for someone who's going to correct you at times, you know, hopefully in a respectful way. And that's what the Nitziv says straight out in Azer Kenegdo, that the couple actually is able to make each other better by complimenting each other, but also sometimes through being the antagonist, not being the mashkiach but just making sure that you're able to push each other in the right way. There's so much to do on this stuff, we could go on forever. I want to share with you the statement that the Gemara says about these great uh, converts. I'm going to focus on Rus. And we know, of course, about Rus. We have, we have Nama here mentioned as well. It's very important in Jewish history. But just again, I, I try to stress this whenever we come across something of Geras, is just to see the, the tremendous role that a Ger has. Uh, I've probably said many times that Rechaim Kanievsky said, someone marries a Ger, what a bonus, you get to do Avas Ger every day. But also to appreciate that a Ger coming into the community, and that's clearly this Gemara is going to serve as a source, as I'm about to prove to you, and the Ger is a Ger Tzedek, it expands the Avraham family. Even though the person uh, DNA may not be able to trace himself or herself to Avraham, what the Gemara over here is stressing is the clear connection with Avraham Avinu. 
And that's why it's such a schus when a person is called up as a ben Avram Avinu. One of the issues that comes up, which is especially relevant to a, a ger, to, sorry, to a get, is to make sure that the person who's being divorced, whether it's the man or the woman, is properly defined and identified and defined. It's not as crucial when it comes to aksuba. A mistake on aksuba is much easier to fix. It doesn't have the same ramifications. So the Shulchan Aruch and Evan Ezra, Hilchus Gidensim and Kufchaf Tess, Sifay tells us, beget, by a get, you have to make sure that you identify this person as a ger. You don't have to call him a ger if you write Ben Avraham Avinu, but you can't just say Ben Avraham. Another possibility would be to identify the person as a get. Now, there's this chuva that I mentioned from the Rush in Klal Tesvav Simendalit. The Rush would deal with questions from all over the world, Germany, Spain, other places as well. And his conclusion is that both on a Hachanamik Suba, just like on a get, you have to clearly identify the person as a ger, you should do so on the Suba as well. Somehow letting us know that it's a ger. What happens, Lamaisa today, is we won't always read it in a ksuba, and we'll identify the father who raised the kid. If let's say we're talking about a ger katan situation as the one who is Megadel. So Yisgadel, the language is uh, used based on who raised the specific child. And this ties into a tshuva of Ramosha. Ramosha has a very fascinating tshuva. It's a little bit different, but I'm connecting it. In Shailos Tshuva's Igros Moshe, Evan Ezra, Chelek Aleph, Simon Sadi, Tess, B'chassan she'in yodua shem aviv. If you have a chassan who doesn't know the name of his father, and here, some people think you're going to end up putting in Avraham or Avraham Avinu. He says that's a big mistake, Ramosha, because the father is not a, the name is not Avraham. We just don't know who the father is in, in such a situation. We're talking, let's say, assuming that the father was a Jew. So then maybe you should write the person who raised him, again, this is an adopted child, you see all the different possibilities that are thrown out. You should write in the Ksuba. This is a, someone whose name was for, whose father's name was forgotten, not known. Again, he's going to say you don't have to read this out loud. Venikra ben ploni shegidlo. Wow. If you feel then the person who's reading it could and then he talks about why you shouldn't just use the mother's name. He's not getting into issues of feminism, but then it's going to give the appearance that the child's an Asufi, an abandoned child. So many practical ramifications. Now, I'll just give you one more. What happens if you have a woman who has a child, and um, 
a non-Jewish man, whether knowingly or sometimes it could be from a procedure that was done, there's a good chance in that situation that there the mother's name will be used. So there's a lot to say about it. I just got into this discussion by showing the from the Rus and the Nama story. Now, a lot of this Gemara, now, I'm going to leave it to you to read about some uh, pretty bad marriages. Even that strikes uh, Amarayim, how they deal with it, the Mesir Asnefesh that's involved, and hopefully we take away, not negativity, but some lessons of how to positively interact with a spouse. We have to recha applies in marriage as well, especially so. Have a great week of learning.